0: Pastor Rock's last Sunday actually ended early, and I'm like, oh, the gauntlet has been thrown, right? So don't worry, I plan to make up for lost time this morning. (laughs) Uh, Again, I want to give a special greeting to the ladies in our congregation today. Of course, we all know is a day that our nation celebrates and honors the roles that mothers in particular have played In our lives, in the church, and especially in this congregation, we like to broaden that idea and pay respect, not just to biological mothers, but to the godly gifted women, all of them, that have enriched our spiritual family. And I just want to say on behalf of the congregation, we acknowledge that each one of you is a gift to us from God. Of course, no mother is perfect And I have to acknowledge that no child is perfect either. And what that means is when we have relationships between mother and children and none of them are perfect, we have imperfect relationships, don't we? Every relationship we have is unique and it comes with its own challenges. Some of the challenges are are relatively mild, but sometimes they're enormous. And that's one of the reasons that Mother's Day is so complicated for many of us. It's a celebration, yes, but it celebrates an ideal that isn't always fully realized. Ideal, right? Ideally, our mothers play the lead role in shepherding us all on to maturity. And even before our fathers have the opportunity to care for us, it's our mothers who sacrificially give of their own bodies, even, so that we might have the nourishment and the protection that our own bodies need to grow. Once we're born, it's often our mothers who, who care for us and, and nurture us. They teach us, they lead us, they, they challenge us, and they, they care for us so that we are equipped, fully equipped and prepared for life. And oftentimes they sacrifice of, of their own vocation or of their own resources, even their own dreams in order to do so. And this is why, I imagine, so many mothers hold their newborn babies and imagine in those first few moments together, they imagine the world of possibilities that lie in front of that child. Uh, They dream of the day that will come, not too soon they hope, but the day that will in fact come when their babies become fully mature men and women. They pray for a lot of different things, don't they, moms? You, you prayed for healthy bodies and, and strong minds. You prayed for mature hearts. You prayed for righteous spirits for your children. And then those moms spend their lives working to see those prayers answered. Maturity is a tricky, tricky thing, though, isn't it? It's a, it's a complicated journey. It has so many different components. It's, it's not nearly as simple as merely growing old. That's not what maturity is. They're related in a way, growing old, growing more mature, but it's not the same thing. It's far more complicated than merely growing old. Oftentimes our journey through maturity involves two steps forward and two and a half backwards. It's hard to quantify maturity, isn't it? But we know it when we see it. And I think more to the point, we know immaturity when we see it. Over the course of the last, well, oh, just over two years now, there have been nine babies born in the HRCC family. Isn't that something? We, we had seven babies born in the year following the COVID pandemic and shutdowns gee, I wonder why. And then we had kind of a lull for a little bit. And then just very, very recently, we've had two more babies born. And so we have these nine babies that are part of the extended HRCC family. Two of them worship over at our church plant in Glen Ellen. But They're all around here, and they're all doing their their baby things. And what I've noticed about having nine babies in the church family together is that they're all in different stages of maturity. Uh, And the maturity doesn't necessarily correspond to exactly how old they are. Some of them are physically bigger than others but it might not be the older ones who are bigger than the younger ones. Some of them are stronger than others. They have varying verbal skills. They have varying dietary needs. They have varying sleeping schedules. We're praying for you moms today. Some of those babies are already running around the hallways here, but some are just crawling or learning to toddle. And a couple of the more recent ones haven't even learned to hold their heads up straight yet or roll over. That's physical maturity. It's kind of all over the map. But then there's, there's emotional maturity, isn't there? Now, as, as a pastor, I've been trained to function with a high level of emotional maturity as I walk with someone through a, a serious life situation. Uh, maybe it's a marriage or a celebration, or maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a funeral. But... That very same pastor can go home that evening and sit on his sofa next to his 13-year-old son, and if one of us passes gas at an inopportune time, you know I'm giggling like I'm in junior high. (laughs) Emotional maturity—it's—it's a tricky, tricky, tricky thing. My mom is so proud of me today. (laughs) Sometimes grown ups act like children. Yes, they do. Don't they? I, I heard an amen to that. Sometimes children act with an emotional intelligence that belies their age. Sometimes the wisest among us act foolishly. And sometimes the words of a sage come out of the mouth of a child. I guess it's fair to say that maturity is typically a very, very complicated, very, very multifaceted work in progress. And it's that way in our spiritual lives as well. We enter into the kingdom of God as spiritual infants. Born again is the term that Jesus gave it. But infants were not designed to remain as infants. They were designed to become fully mature. And the Apostle Paul has a conversation on that topic with the church in Colossae in his letter to the Colossians. Most of the Colossian Christians were newly born again, and we might presume that they were still learning about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Regarding the message of Jesus, Paul wrote this to them. I'm going to read to you from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 28. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature, say fully mature, mature. In in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That's what Paul wrote to the Colossian Christians. I want to kind of restate that for a moment and just break it down so that we're sure we're all on the same page. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying he, and the he he's referring to is Jesus. He, Jesus, is the one we, God's people, proclaim. If I were to go back and read the preceding paragraphs, that would be... Uh, abundantly clear to all of us Paul is talking about the proclamation of the message of Jesus and he's saying this Jesus he is the one that we Christians we churchgoers we people of God we proclaim now the Colossians already knew this This is how they knew they were born again. This is how they became Christians. They responded to the proclamation of Jesus. We call it the proclamation of the gospel, which I've told you before, gospel, just an old English word that literally means good news. Gospel, good news. They responded to the proclamation of the good news. And according to the Bible, all of God's people are supposed to be active in the proclamation of the message of Jesus, of the gospel, of the good news. And that's clearly what Paul and his associates have devoted their lives to, the proclamation of the gospel, of the good news. But what's interesting in this passage, and why I share it with you today, is that Paul is going to put a finer point on that. He's going to explain it to us and for us. Yes, Paul says we proclaim Jesus. That's what we do. He, Jesus, is the one that we, God's people, proclaim. But yes, the question: How? How do we proclaim it? And Paul says in the very next line: By admonishing everyone. And by teaching everyone with all wisdom. Now that word admonishing I submit to you is one that I don't use in my everyday language. I actually, I looked it up to make sure I had the proper definition. To admonish someone is to warn them. So how do we proclaim the gospel? Paul's saying it's not just about telling the Jesus story and then getting people to say, yes, I believe that. Everybody raise your hand if you believe that. Yes, okay, very good. That's not what Paul is saying here. Proclamation of the gospel is not just about telling a story and trying to get people to agree with it. He says there's a lot more work that goes into the proclamation of the gospel, specifically warning and teaching. So why? In other words, what's the goal? And Paul says, why? Why do we admonish and we teach? We do it so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now I read to you from the New International Version of the Bible that's one of the many modern translations that we have from the ancient languages into a comfortable everyday English. I like the NIV, but there's a handful of translations that I use fairly regularly when I preach, I chose the NIV today because it renders that original Greek word fully mature. A lot of translations just say mature. We, we wanna bring somebody to a point of maturity, but the NIV makes the point of saying it's not really just maturity, it's uh, we may present everyone fully mature, and I like that because in fact, What Paul said here, what he wrote originally in the ancient Greek, is one of those very, very rich Greek words that doesn't have a a one-to-one correlation in English. It doesn't merely mean mature. It has a much, much more robust definition. It's a sense of completion. It's the idea of having fulfilled every aspect of a journey with a purpose. And so it's not just the idea of presenting uh, someone as fully mature. It's presenting them complete, perfect, having thoroughly arrived. We proclaim the gospel. How do we do it? We do it by admonishing, warning everyone, and teaching. And why do we do it? So that we might present everyone fully mature, complete, perfect, having thoroughly arrived in Christ. Moms are very often responsible for the laundry in the household. How many moms in the room today are on laundry detail? That's great, I'll be over this (laughs) afternoon with a couple of loads, right? Sue needs a break, so I'm gonna (laughs) gonna bring mine over by your place today. Um, Laundry, I found, is one of those tasks that it seems it's never actually done. Can I get an amen to that? It's never actually done. You get the jeans washed, but the light colors are still dirty. And then you get the lights done, but the delicates are still soaking. The delicates are done, but we haven't done the bed sheets or the bath towels in several weeks. The towels are done, but nothing's been folded and there's still ironing to do, right? But every once in a while, And it's really, I mean, just once or twice in a lifetime. It happened once when I was a bachelor. And then I've heard rumors from far off lands that it happens here and there. Every once in a while, we reach this state of laundry nirvana where everything is clean, everything is folded, everything is ironed, everything is put away. The laundry is fully accomplished. Have you ever had a laundry nirvana moment where you realize the only thing dirty in the entire house is what you're wearing? And, and you like, you don't want to take it off and put it in the hamper because that would disrupt the laundry equilibrium. And then your kid comes in and rips their socks off and throws them across the room and you lose your salvation, right? right? But it's that moment of laundry nirvana, that total laundry equilibrium. That's what Paul is describing here. He's saying not just mature, he's saying fully mature. Everything that could be accomplished is accomplished. He's saying that's why we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the gospel by admonishing and teaching. He says everyone we can, every one we can, so that, here's our goal, so that we may present every one of them complete in Christ. Complete. That's what Paul is talking about. So let's take note about what he's actually saying about this journey towards becoming fully mature. The first thing I think he wants us to understand is that a wise proclamation of the gospel must include lessons and warnings. I'm going to say that again. A wise proclamation of the gospel must include both lessons and warnings. I'm referring to what I read in verse 28. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. I already told you that admonishing means correcting. It's this idea of warning someone, perhaps even scolding them. It has to do really with discipline. And mothers are well acquainted with discipline, aren't they? Admonishing doesn't have to be mean, but neither does discipline. It has to do with giving a clear warning as to the dangers of a particular situation. Anytime your mother told you not to run with scissors, she was admonishing you. And it's a good thing that she was admonishing you in that moment, because if you kept running with scissors, you were risking a very, very serious injury to yourself or to someone else. And the proclamation of the gospel is like that. It has to include admonishment. It has to include serious warnings about the dangers of ignoring the message of Jesus. Spiritual maturity then means learning to hold the scissors the right way and learning to walk and not run so that we don't hurt ourselves or others. Spiritual maturity means learning to tie your shoes so you don't trip on your spiritual shoelaces as you're running around with the scissors point up. Here's what Paul is telling us. He's saying, if you haven't been warned lately, you probably haven't been hearing a wise proclamation of Jesus. And in the same way, if you haven't learned something recently, you probably haven't heard a wise proclamation of the gospel. The gospel requires admonishment and teaching Here's where our culture pushes back. It's not all about encouragement. If all your pastor ever does is encourage you, find a new pastor, because he's not helping. The proclamation of the gospel is a challenge to us. It must challenge us. We must be challenged, we must be warned, we must have our eyes open to the realities of the seriousness of the issues that we are dealing with. And if all we ever do is choose a church to go to where we come out of it feeling like, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all gonna be great because we're just perfect. I don't know, that wasn't a song in my notes, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, we'll write that one down. But if, if that's why you go to church, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. A wise proclamation of the gospel is going to come from time to time with warnings and admonishment, with teachings, with some, hey, here's some things that we need to do better at. Here's some things that we need to learn. Here's some places where we need to grow. I've said it several times already. The gospel is the good News And while that in and of itself sounds encouraging, like, oh, good news, please. I'd like to hear some good news. That would be great. We have to remember that good news is only good news if there's a possibility of bad news. Nobody shows up and says, hey, good news. My car started today if their car has been running just fine. If somebody says, good news, my car started today, it's because they had a legitimate reason to think that maybe their car wasn't going to start today. Good news is only good news if there's a legitimate concern of some bad news. And the good news of the gospel is good news precisely because bad news is possible. Bad news is something to be concerned about. People who haven't read the Bible often don't realize just how much Jesus talked about bad news. They often don't realize just how much Jesus talked about the pain and the suffering that goes along with rejecting his invitation. The Gospel of Matthew alone, just that one book, tells six different stories that Jesus proclaimed. Each one of the six ends with wailing and gnashing of teeth. I don't know how to gnash my teeth, but it doesn't sound good. And it happens because somebody rejected the the gospel. They rejected the message of Jesus. The very real existence of pain and suffering, both in this world and in eternity. This is precisely the reason why the message of Jesus is good news. Again and again, it's his words that teach us. It's his words that admonish us. And it's only by taking those words seriously that we have a chance to become fully mature. And here's where I want to encourage you today. We do have a chance to become fully mature. That's one of the most important things that Paul wants us to understand here. In fact, I believe that he's telling us that we should see full maturity as an achievable goal for every follower of Jesus. That's what he said in verse 28. He said, we do all of this so that we may present every one mature in Christ. Each one And this is so important. Paul is saying that the mission of the church isn't to produce as many converts as possible. He says the mission of the church is to produce as many fully mature followers of Jesus as possible. And actually, this corresponds precisely to what Jesus himself said when he gave the church its mission. The Great Commission, we sometimes call it, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. Jesus did not say, go out into all the world and make converts of all the nations. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I think the modern church has maybe missed the boat on this a little bit. We count converts. We say, did you have an altar call, Pastor? How many people came forward? How many raised their hand and signed up? How many joined the membership roster? How many did this, that, or the other thing? Hey, those are all worth celebrating, but we need to remember that's not our mission. Our mission isn't to make as many converts. It's not to count all the decisions. Our mission, according to Jesus, affirmed by the apostle Paul, our mission is to make as many fully mature disciples or followers of Jesus as we possibly can. And Paul says, Paul says that's possible for everyone. You know, this isn't a game of percentages. This isn't do your best and see how it falls. Paul says, this is possible. He says, we go, I warn everyone. I teach everyone so that someday I might present everyone as fully mature in Christ. A disciple is a student. Literally, it's a student under discipline. Disciple, discipline, same word, right? A student has a teacher. A teacher, as we've already discussed, admonishes as they teach. And that's how the student becomes fully mature. And Paul is telling us that it's our goal to see every student become fully mature. I remember being a a preteen student in health class. How many of us enjoyed health class back in (laughs) junior high? we were learning about puberty and adolescence and all of those fun things. And one day the teacher was speaking to the fear that many young people have about being you know, late bloomers. And I remember the teacher saying, I have encouragement for you. I want you to look around. If you're worried about being a late bloomer into puberty, into adolescence, into all of these changes that your bodies are going through, if you're worried about being a late bloomer, just look around. And take note of the fact that all grown-ups look like grown-ups. Even if you feel like you're behind schedule today, you will arrive because each one of us was designed to grow to full maturity. Now, if that's true physically, how much more is that true spiritually? That's what the Bible says. Each one of us was designed to grow to full maturity. Look around the room and your family, your church family, the spiritually mature people that you look up to. I got news for you. They weren't born that way. Every one of them was a spiritual infant at one point or another. And then they became that spiritual kid, energetic and rambunctious, but in need of supervision. (laughs) And then they became that awkward spiritual pre-adolescent kind of not really fitting in here, not really fitting in there, just trying to figure life out. They goofed up and they giggled. Their spiritual voice cracked when they spoke and they had spiritual pimples all over their spiritual faces. Every spiritual mature follower of Jesus that you know went through every one of those stages. Would some of the elders in our midst just say amen to that? And aren't we glad, by the way, that there was no internet when that was going on. (laughs) Glory, hallelujah. But here's the thing. Every one of us was designed to grow to full maturity. Your creator assembles you with the capacity to become fully mature. So don't disqualify yourself and give up because you think you don't have what it takes because God says otherwise. My mom raised three boys. And I'm sure she didn't do it with the thought that some of them would grow up and some of them would remain little boys. I'm confident that my mom's desire was to see all three of them reach full maturity. And someday Andy might get there. (laughs) We don't play a percentage game in the kingdom. We live with the conviction that each one Each one who responds to the message of the proclamation of Jesus, each one has not just the potential and the capacity, but the God-given plan implanted in them, the data on board to become fully mature. If you're a follower of Jesus, don't misunderstand me here. There will never be a day when you stop growing. There will never be a day when you no longer need a community of faith to watch over you and to encourage you in your journey. There will never be a day when you can just, you know, stop reading your Bible because you already learned it all. That day is never coming. But by the same token, and this is what I want you to hear today, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can expect that God's plans for your spiritual growth include the idea that someday, maybe not today, But someday you'll be able to articulate the principles of your faith to other people. You'll be able to teach them out of your own experience. Someday, you'll know what the Bible has to say about the issues in your life because there will be verses and stories that you have learned by heart and you have applied in practice in your own life. Someday, you'll feel confident that you know how to pray in any particular or given circumstance. Someday, you'll be the one that other people are looking up to because you're spiritually mature. So yeah, we should see full maturity as an achievable goal for every follower of Jesus, but, oh, there's a but here, but it requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of effort. Remember the old doo-wop song from the 50s and 60s? Breaking up is hard to do. I think we need a song that says growing up is hard to do. Growing up is hard to do. I have a room with a lot of people, we've got some young folks in the room, but almost all of us have gone through adolescence. We've gone through puberty, we've gone through that physical transition from childhood into adulthood. And I'm guessing that if I asked who, who's, who wants to do it again, my hand's not going up. <laughs> my hand, I'm you know, I loved my childhood. I, I enjoyed my teen years. Been there, done that, don't need to do it again. <laughs> Growing up is hard, it really is. So to the young people we have in the room and to the parents and those of us that interact with young people, in our families. Let's keep that in mind when we're talking to them. being 12, being 13, it's hard work. Being one, being two, trying to grow up physically, it's hard work. It's hard work, growing up is hard to do. Paul knew that. And that's why he finishes the thought I shared with you today by saying to this end, I strenuously contend With all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul is strenuously contending to see the young believers in his charge develop some maturity. I think most every mother would identify with that statement. Strenuously contending for the maturity of those in your charge. Encouraging and overseeing the process of maturation in another human being. Now that's a job that takes endless energy and endurance. Raising children both in the natural and in the spiritual sense, as Paul is doing here. That is a marathon and not a sprint. But I imagine that most moms in the room would agree with the idea that at some point, the child needs to take responsibility for their own maturity as well. Moms, do you have an amen for that? (laughs) I thought you might. If your kid is 18 years old and still doesn't know how to tie their own shoelaces, that's on them, not on you. They need to work harder to gain the skills they need to live an adult life. Growing up is hard to do, and when it comes to our spiritual maturity, it's a process that we need to take very, very seriously. So I think it's time for a moment of admonishment here. Paul talks about strenuously contending, and he talks about relying on all the energy available to him and about how Christ works so powerfully through him. In church, we need to be doing the exact same thing. If we expect to see the plans of God come to fruition in our lives, we need to strenuously contend with all the energy uh, in Christ's powerful working in our lives. We cannot merely sit back and listen to a sermon once in a while, or even once a week. We can't do that and expect to become fully mature. We can't merely change the presets on the radio in our car to all Christian stations and expect to become fully mature. I hate to break it to you, but even a Christian playlist on Spotify is not sufficient for Christian maturity. We can't merely read an encouraging verse or two each morning and say, I'm growing in my faith. I'm growing to a place of full maturity. We can't only do those things. None of those things is bad, but we can't only do those things. We need to work harder than that. We need to strenuously contend. We need to tap into all the energy available to us by the powerful works of Christ in our lives, And so for today, my admonishment is this. I want to boil it down to just one principle as I close. There is certainly a lot more that we could talk about here, but I really just want to finish by inviting you to think of just one word. And the word is consumer. We can't become fully mature by merely being consumers of religious thoughts. You... Go to the greatest church in the world. The Brown just told us on the video. <laughs> but here's the thing, you won't become any more mature than you are today simply by consuming my sermons or enjoying the worship band or attending a small group or listening to cat lead us in prayer. Because here's the thing, consumers who only consume, they don't grow up. They grow fat. It takes harder work than that to grow up. To grow up, we need to strenuously contend. We need to lift some spiritual weights. We need to run some spiritual... Races. We need to work hard with all the energy that Christ gives us. Church, we need to do hard things. We need to stretch our faith. We need to seek and develop our spiritual gifts. We need to train our minds. We need to submit our desires. We need to sacrifice our comfort. We need to stop trying to merely consume and instead become active participants in the work that Jesus means to accomplish in our lives. That's how we become fully mature. Over the course of this summer, I plan to spend some time talking more about how we can do that, how we can make more significant progress in our quest to become fully mature. But for today, for today. Can we just close by inviting the Holy Spirit to awaken us to the reality that it is his desire to guide us in that process? If you came in today thinking that spiritual maturity was something that is available to different individuals in varying degrees, and you know, I look at sister so-and-so here in the corner, or brother so-and-so here on this side, and I think, well, that's awesome that we have them in their church. you know, we're blessed to have them. It's a good thing we do, because I'm dragging the curve down, but I feel a little bit better being in their midst today. If that's, if that's the way you saw spiritual maturity, I hope you're willing to let the Holy Spirit just kind of bop you on the nose right now and say, shame on you. Admonish, admonish, admonish. <laughs> that's not how I designed you. I designed you to be that spiritually mature saint. You say, well,